Hi, welcome back. This is another speech breakdown with Dave. And today I'm going to be looking at something a little bit different than I have for the previous two. I chose a speech that is going to be difficult to critique and find something wrong with, uh, somewhat intentionally. Again, the idea here is to find that no matter how good the speech is, there's always something you can do a little bit better. With that in mind, I have chosen the 2019 World Champion of Public Speaking, uh, the winning speech. Uh, the speaker's name is Aaron Beverly, and this is the Toastmasters International Speech Contest. If you're not familiar with Toastmasters, it is an organization dedicated to improving public speaking, and there are literally hundreds of thousands of clubs the world over, and all of them are eligible to participate in this contest. So he has risen to the top of a contest that could have literally hundreds of thousands of contestants. Let's get into it. Aaron does two things right off the bat that show that he is an excellent speaker. First, he takes something that happened before and weaves it into the speech. Second, he gets a laugh out of it. When the contest chair announces speeches, they give only the name of the person and the name of the speech. They say nothing else. And so Aaron's joke was saying that the chair was relieved that his speech is only three words. It's getting a laugh out of the audience. He does this so smoothly, you almost think it was intentionally part of the speech, but he is clearly calling back to something that happened beforehand. So the speech is about a wedding that he attended in India, uh, he is an American, back in 2018. One of the things he does right away that does grab our attention, uh, and it is for a purpose, not simply to grab our attention, is that he identifies the races of the people involved. The groom is white, the bride is Indian, and he is black. He is also the only black man to attend this wedding, as he, as he notes. He gets a bit of a laugh out of this, but it is also important to note, when you identify the race of everybody in the modern political climate, you are sure to get everyone's attention. Um, and depending on where you are, you may get different reactions, but you are sure to get everyone's attention. A speech revolves around a story that is a tradition in Indian weddings. During the wedding, the groom will take off his shoes, and the groomsman is charged with protecting those shoes. Apparently, the bridesmaids will attempt to get the shoes. If they succeed in getting the shoes, they will auction them off, or not auction, they will ransom them back, to the groom getting a good chunk of money. So it is Aaron's job at this wedding, as a groomsman, to protect the shoes. This is the central story of his speech. At this point, I'll also describe his onstage presence. Certainly as a contrast to Johan Hari from the last episode, he is expansive, he moves about the stage, and all of his movements appear to have a purpose. He's doesn't waste any emotion. He doesn't have any repetitive ticks in the way he moves. Again, this is a hallmark of someone who's really good at this. Not only is he expansive and uses his body to communicate effectively, he doesn't repeat himself at all. I want to highlight here a really good use of a pause for comedic effect. I'll play it first. But gentlemen, have you ever seen a girlfriend or wife smile, yet at the same time, you just felt scared? That tiny pause between felt and scared, he uses so effectively. The way his cadence is, he moves up to that point and then pauses just long enough for you to realize that you are, in fact, in trouble, or at least he is. He also pairs this with a great 
uh, way of showing fear on his face and using his hands to convey that kind of dread that you can see from when someone comes over and talks to you and lets you know that you're in trouble without actually saying that. So he uses that pause so effectively. But basically, the next sentence, there's another spot where I thought he could have done the same thing or something similar to a great effect. Here, I'll play it. She says, Aaron, you look very handsome today. I say, thank you. Could you pass me Brandon's shoes? No. Right there, that gap between pass me the shoes and nope. Maybe he's trying to show that he cut her off, but I, I thought he could have played that little moment to a little bit better effect rather than just rushing straight through it. As he moves through the middle of the speech, and he's telling the story of the bridesmaids attempting to get the shoes from either through deception or lying or physical force, and it's all not working. He gets more and more energy into his speech as time goes on. And I guess this is the one tiny criticism I would have in his tone, in that he not only brings energy and excitement into what he's trying to say, but he also allows his voice to slip up a little high, and it comes off as a little shrill a couple of times. It's not everywhere, but there's a few spots where I thought, oh, if you just kind of controlled your voice just a little bit, um, he'd come down from that slightly shrill register. This is a minor criticism. A good tactic that he uses to kind of convey how someone looks without actually using uh, a lot of descriptive languages. He gives the head of the bridesmaid's nickname the Ominous Smiler. And because he's telling a story in person, he's not using visual images, he can't show you what she looks like. But he does, by giving her that little nickname that's very visual, you can almost picture the way she looks and the way she acts in your mind. It sort of draws you into his mind's eye. At the beginning and in the middle of the speech, he says something that turns out to be very important, that he takes a mission that he gets very seriously. It's a good line and one that he will use later to effect that I'll, I'll talk about. But I do want to mention here, there's a spot where he says, I'm taking this mission very seriously. And then he says, I take the shoes, I put them to my chest, and I watch the wedding like this. And he is doubled over facing the audience. This is both a gesture that shows exactly what he's doing, so in that sense it's good, uh, but the one thing it does is it really breaks his eye contact, uh, and it breaks our connection with him briefly. I think he could have avoided this by not bending, doubling over toward the audience and really turning towards the side. The line he uses is, I watched the wedding like this, and he doubled over, looking at the ground. Uh, but I think he could have accomplished the same thing by doubling over, turned sideways, and then he could have turned his head to the side as if he's doubled over and just barely able to look up and still maintain that eye contact with the audience, maintain that connection. At a couple of points throughout his speech, he enacts the dialogue between two people, uh, between himself and the, his friend who invited him to the wedding, Sunit. Sunit is standing to one side. So one thing he does that is effective is he faces one direction when talking in as one person and then faces the other direction when uh, talking as himself or someone else. Uh, this is just a, a little visual cue that is easy to overlook it when we do these sort of things on stage. By changing your position, your orientation, you're showing exactly who is talking, uh, even if you're not good enough to vary your voice on stage. 
Uh, he doesn't really change his voice um, up or down or, or try to imitate somebody else, which is fine. Uh, but by using these gestures, he does effectively convey who is talking. It is always good to get some kind of audience participation in your speech, uh, some way to engage the audience directly. And even though he's telling a story and has shown no sign of doing this before, he, about two-thirds of the way speech, manages to get a good reaction from the audience. So at this point, he said, don't give the shoes to anybody. You know, the, the story is don't, he's protecting the shoes from the bridesmaids. After saying this, I, I'm actually not sure how many times, he finally turns and says to the audience, arms wide, don't give the shoes to, and then the audience responds, anybody. It's really in that moment you can just feel that he has completely captured the audience because he didn't lead them up to this point in any way. He just assumed that they would respond, and of course they did. And he did it in a way that wasn't uh, cliched, where he sort of begs for their uh, begs for a response. They are already so engaged in his speech that they're ready, even though he didn't give them any cues beforehand. It's really a sign of how masterful this speech is. So towards the climax of the speech, he's doing a really good job of building us up to this point where he is protecting the shoes and clearly something is going to happen. He's using this cadence to use repetition to sort of drill into your head. You know, you get two people pulling the shoes, they pull, I pull, I hold firm. You know, five people, they pull, I pull, I hold firm. So he's using this cadence, and as he's doing this, he's getting a little bit more and more excited. Not over-the-top excited, but just a way to really demonstrate that what is going on, and really the tensions are rising. The bridesmaids must get these shoes, and he's found a way to protect them up to this point. But he does so in a way that just, he gets, he builds everything up, and then he allows people to react and absorb. He uses this pause towards the end, right about uh, 5 minutes and 30 seconds, uses this pause to let people absorb what has happened. Instead of rushing through the end, the final bit of the climax of the story, he uses pauses. So right at the climax of the story, you know, he, the bridesmaids recruit, finally the gigantic photographer comes over, it's nine against one, they pull, and he loves the shoes. Again, he does a good job of moving from being like really excited and intense to being showing his he's sad and, and dejected that he lost the shoes. He does this only with body language, doesn't have to tell you. At this point, we're all hanging on his every word. So from the climax where he loses the shoes, he goes on to explain the context of this game. The idea is that the two families come together in some kind of game or activity that really brings them together. And he closes by saying, I, as the only black man, the odd man out, was accepted like family. At this point in the speech, it becomes very clear that this is the quote-unquote the moral of the story. It feels a little bit like one of those Saturday morning cartoons where you have the episode and it's entertaining, and then at the end they tell you directly what the moral of the story is. I know why he did this speech. He's he, The speech has a point, and it is a powerful one, uh, and extremely well conveyed and is entertaining. Uh, but I really, the end is a little bit jarring, the way he shifts uh, from one set of emotions to another. I would like to see him recover a little bit of that entertainment, a little bit of that uh, lighter emotion, at least for part of the conclusion. I think he could still tell his moral directly without totally losing the tone. And it makes really his closing line fall just a little bit flat. 
uh, he uses the tone, you know, this is, you know, your mission in life is to give acceptance of differences, uh, certainly an important message. But he says, uh, take this mission very seriously. At this point, very seriously has been a laugh line up to this point, and it shifts so completely. I don't know if he's trying to get maybe one last little laugh or one last little joke out of it, or he's just using it in a totally different manner. But to me, it feels a little bit jarring because you're still recalling the emotions from that uh, line, and then it's used in a completely different way. Um, Again, it's going to a moral of the story at the end of your speech is a bit risky in terms of engagement. You know, if you're entertained, that's one thing. You're inside the speech. You're you're somewhat captured. And as soon as you start talking directly to an audience to tell, to to state your point so directly, I think it changes the way you're communicating with your audience and takes them out of that absorption. Suddenly, it's you can become conscious that oh, it's a speech, and here's a lesson. And here is the lesson that I'm supposed to learn. Now, this last criticism, it is possible that I am just simply showing my bias here. that I don't like being preached at directly, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it was an incredibly effective speech. Now, he won the contest. He won a worldwide contest with his speech. So any of my criticisms really uh, might feel a bit hollow, I suppose. Uh, it's such a well-done speech overall. He does such a good job of drawing everybody in, using what happened before, uh, just off the cuff, uh, just using humor and using his expressions and his emotions in a way that is just feels really genuine without going over the top in the way he's expressing uh, the story. Again, it's an incredibly well-done speech, and you don't even take my word for it. He won the world contest with it. Thanks. This has been another Breakdown with Dave, and I'll see you next time.